So for all the episodes and all the crazy stuff that's happened in Breaking Bad so far while we've been doing this podcast, has there been an episode to this point where you just didn't really want to talk about it? I don't know if there's been like a whole episode, but there have certainly been moments. So I was really dreading talking about Peekaboo, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that one really, really hard to watch. And then probably this one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the point here is that this is tough. I mean, this is a very, it's a very difficult episode for a lot of different reasons. You know what I mean? It's not just about how we feel about Walt. There's, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on here that's very difficult to kind of absorb. And it's also one that, you know, I don't want to talk about it, but I also, it has that that duality of like, I can't also can't wait to talk about it. Like I almost feel like I need to talk about it so that I can sort of, you know, be okay with it. And that's really great TV. That's right. Daddy did that. Welcome to Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Courtney. And today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 12, Phoenix, which is an interesting title. It is the name of the Mars rover that discovered water that they're talking about in the bar whenever Walt meets Donald. But then there's probably some other stuff going on, and I think we'll probably get into that. But can you possibly give us a synopsis <laughs> of everything that happens here? Uh, well, TLDR, Jane dies, right? And that's, yeah. <laughs> that is what this episode is most remembered for. But there is a lot that, that does go on in this one. So it picks up right where the previous one left off, Mandala, with Walt rushing to the meeting spot to make this deal that he has arranged with Gus. When he finally gets to the hospital, because remember, you know, Skylar's in labor, he finds Skylar, uh, Holly, and Ted in the room. Ted leaves and Skylar asks Walt if he'll go get her overnight back from home. And when he goes home, he takes that opportunity to hide all of the money he just made from this deal in the garage. At Jesse's, Jane is woken up by a call from her dad. And she tells Jesse that someone broke in. So Jesse gets up and he discovers that the meth has been taken from under the sink where he had hid it, and he panics. He calls the White House and uh, Junior answers at first, and then Walt comes out and he's able to get the phone on the second ring. And uh, Jesse explains to Walt that they'd been robbed, but Walt just hangs up on him. Meanwhile, Jane attends a meeting with her dad and nervously flips her 18-month chip in her hands. Then they go to a coffee shop and she evades all of the questions he has about whether she's seen that guy next door, why her eyes are red, etc. Mm -hmm. The next day, Jesse shows up at the school and confronts Walt about taking the money. They argue and Walt says Jesse can't have his share until he's clean and asks him for a urine sample. Enraged by this, Jesse throws the glassware at Walt and it smashes on the blackboard behind him. You know, this is like 
you're, I'm listening to you retell this and I'm getting some feelings about some of these things already. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of Walt, I mean, obviously Walt does a lot of stuff here, but, um, man, the way that he talks to Jesse again, like, I know we kind of beat this, 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 this idea, you know, this like beating a dead horse a little bit, but some of the stuff he says here is just is just absolutely rough, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting into some of those those moments that you're talking about here. Yeah, and and uh, we'll we'll definitely get more into this, but I think some of the dialogue between Jesse and Walt, in a lot of ways, mirrors uh, the the dialogue or the conversations between Donald and Jane. Right, so there's this sort of tough love mm-hmm. approach, but in Walt's case, it's highly hypocritical. <laughs> but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into that. So uh, anyway, Walt Jr. puts together SaveWalterWhite.com to raise money to help pay for Walt's surgery, but the idea of accepting charity is absolutely abhorrent to Walt, and he then later complains to Saul that he cannot stand the idea of having all this money on hand and not being able to share it with his family. Saul advises that they use zombies to donate to Jr.'s website, which will also help them launder Walt's money. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea. Back at Jesse's, Jesse shares with Jane how much money uh, Walt owes him as he's shooting up. The next morning, Donald, Jane's dad, attends the meeting without Jane. Again, she is woken up by his phone call asking her where she is. And as she gets up and rushes out the front door, there he is standing out front and he confronts her. He rushes into Jesse's, tries to throw Jesse out and then threatens to call the cops until Jane promises that she will go to rehab. After she explains that she needs a day to be able to call into work and take care of other matters, he agrees to let her wait to go to rehab until the next morning. Big mistake. Mm -hmm. After Donald leaves, Jane calls Walt and demands that he give Jesse the money or she will, quote, burn him to the ground. Later that night, Skylar asks Walt to go out to get diapers. He takes that opportunity to go and bring Jesse the money, and Jesse promises Walt that he will never see either of them again. After Walt leaves, Jesse and Jane talk really excitedly about their future and come up with this plan to move to New Zealand. She'll paint, he'll be a bush pilot. And they agree that they're not going to waste all their money on on heroin, though, that they're going to get clean and they'll flush what drugs they have left. But we see them walk into the bedroom and then they pause, you know, right in front of the drugs looking down at it. So Walt stops in at a bar where, guess who's there? Don Margolis. He's just hap- he just happens to be in the same bar, mm-hmm. right? So Walt calls Skylar to let her know that he's still looking for these diapers. And then once he gets off the phone, uh, Donald, uh, you know, says, uh, you know, well played. And then they start chatting about daughters and about family. And after Donald hints at the fact that he has a troubled daughter, Walt shares that he has a troubled nephew. Mm -hmm. Donald tells him, you can't give up on them, which prompts Walt to return to Jesse's after he leaves the bar. He breaks in through the back door and he finds them both unconscious, obviously high. As he tries to rouse Jesse, Jane is knocked onto her back. And she starts aspirating on her own vomit. And Walt jumps up and rushes over to her, but stops himself from saving her. Yep. It's that moment. Um, It's that moment we'll come back around to. As far as overall impressions, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's a difficult episode for a lot of reasons. Also, probably the best example of what the show is capable of up to this point. Um, 
I mean, it's had there's been a lot of great episodes. We've talked about all of them. This one, though, it it really kind of, I mean, it's a penultimate episode of the season. It sets up, you know, the the next phase again for for where where they go from here. Uh, it 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 just gives us a point like a another one of those point uh, you you know saying a point no return it makes it sound like it's a it's an individual it's sort of that thing of like you know when did uh jimmy mcgill turn into saul goodman right but there mm-hmm. are all these points and this is one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that always comes up you know in the argument about whether walt is a likable if not flawed anti-hero or if he is the villain of the story right and this on rewatch, it doesn't get that much easier to parse. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, of course he's a villain. That's the side I land on. But I mean, his motivations aren't purely evil. Like they're not. Like you see how the character gets to the place where he does these things, and he still has some some sympathy. You know, he's you still see him in a sympathetic light, even when he's just doing awful things so it's much more complicated and that's why we're still talking about it all these years (laughs) later (laughs) so what about you what were your overall impressions for this one yeah i pretty much agree with everything you just said and uh this final scene is probably the most talked about and debated scene in the whole series or you know at least in the top five for sure and it's a it's a scene I think that we all know incredibly well, even if it, if you've only ever seen Breaking Bad once, you know, this yeah. is something that really leaves like a, a huge impression on you. So can it doesn't. I, can I interrupt you real quick? I mean, it, whenever I, I agree, like everything you're saying, and I, and I just wanted to, to ask you a question of the first time you watched it. Do you think that you took in all of what was going on through Walt's? I mean, is it, because it's, it's a quick scene. It's not like this long, drawn-out thing, you know what I mean? And and I think that you're going to talk about what Brian Cranston does here, and I think it is is absolutely incredible. But the first time you watched it, what was, do you, can you remember what you thought about, like as far as what Walt was doing in that moment, or does it almost happen so fast that you really have to to go back and think about it again after the fact? Well, my first time watching it, I was just shocked at yeah, what happened. I think, like, I think that's the, you know, the natural thing, right? Yeah, I was I was in a, a state of shock. And it's kind of hard for me to really think back at, at what point I really saw Walt as, as a, you know, the bad guy, as the villain of the show. Because I think probably my first watch, um, I was still seeing things very much from his point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that that really is credit to to Brian Cranston's acting here. It's not a scene that that really gets any easier watching and actually I think it gets harder. At least it was for me. I actually mm-hmm. had a really really hard time sitting through this one and I teared up when I watched it last night and I do think this is the first time that it ever actually moved me to tears. And that was surprising that I was mm-hmm. so deeply affected by it when I know it so well. This is uh you know certainly not my first time watching. So it's, uh, I don't know, I, I do, rem- as I said, I remember watching it the first time and just being shocked at, at the events that he allowed her to die. And I think if you hadn't noticed all the more subtle changes in the character, then this is really the confirmation that something has gone wrong here, that he is a changed man. 
Mm-hmm. But he plays it in such a way, as you were saying, Pete, like you can, like the character rationalize, like, well, what other choices did he have? You know, he was maybe choosing like the lesser of two evils, like let Jane die, save Jesse. Uh, but, you know, and, and I think that's uh, something they talked about on the Insider podcast was that they want people to debate this. They don't want it to be a clear cut answer, like Walt mm-hmm. is purely evil or or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, like uh, to, to really debate and think about what is what is motivating this character, what is driving this character. Uh, but what he's done is just so awful and, and so unforgivable, but he plays it with such emotion and such depth of feeling and yeah. that teardrop really you almost yeah. think that Walt isn't really as awful as his actions may betray him to be. And sorry if you can hear the fireworks in the background. Um, mm. <laughs> my neighborhood is enthusiastic about Fourth of July, so yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> the, I guess you have leftover fireworks whenever that happens, right? Like, it, I think the the actual Fourth of July spirit is gone, but maybe there's just fireworks still around that have to be used up or something like that. I think I just live in a ni- uh, neighborhood full of pyromaniacs. So yeah. uh, they start so like a week excuse. before <laughs> any holiday and it goes on for a week after. So 4th of July and uh, New Year's Eve in particular are really unpleasant. There's another one. Yeah. <laughs> They're really unpleasant uh, times of the year, especially for all my pets. So Yeah, I think we'll, I think it'll be okay as far as what we're doing here. Um, yeah, the tear. You brought up the tear and I, and I think and you talked about getting a little teary yourself with this. There were there were two points, and I don't want to actually go into these at this point. I just wanted to respond to what you said. There were two points where I felt that here, and it wasn't this last scene. It was when Jane says, Daddy, please. Um, that was a really tough one for me this time. I definitely got misty there. And then when Walt was um, listening to the baby monitor, and yeah. um and that that one sets this one up so well you know what i mean that's such a good uh that's such a good way to construct that is that on the one end you're watching a guy who who loves his daughter that he missed her birth and and he does feel genuine uh shame and regret about that and then the second one he's watching something that he could prevent and 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 he's choosing inaction and in his mind, you know, he kind of thinks that that's all the same thing, right? That he's doing this in a way to protect that that daughter that was just born. So let's go back to the beginning and let's talk about that. I mean, I guess we could talk about the uh, scene at the abandoned motel. But what I'm thinking about right now is the way that Ted pops into that very intimate moment in in the um hospital whenever he goes to meet Holly for the first time. Yeah. It's just such a great setup shot the way that Ted is he's you know he's he's there, you know everything is it's all screwed up but he got there, everything's fine. He's got this beautiful baby in his hand or whatever and then it's just like, "Oh, there's Ted Benicky standing there. I didn't notice you there, Ted." Yeah, there's some there there are a few interesting reveals in this episode. So certainly that one how Walt walks in and He's, you know, holding Holly and then you see Ted there and you find out that Ted was the one that was where Walt should have been the whole time. He should have been the one driving his wife to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He should have been, uh, you know, there for the birth and everything. And, you know, it's uh, and then the, the the other reveal of of uh, Donald being in that bar when uh, the camera pulls back and, yeah. you know, you know, something's going to go down there, too. Uh-huh. So I think in both cases, it's it shows how like a strange Walt is from. 
you know, everything that's not happening within like his, his own immediate interests. So he's, uh, prior, he's prioritized this drug deal and getting this thing done. And, um, he's lost sight of everything that's important to him. And, uh, I know I'm, I'm sort of skipping ahead, but I keep thinking of that bar scene, right? And how like he totally misconstrues and takes out of context what, uh, <laughs> what donald says to him and i guess the, the, i i probably should have included this in my impressions cuz it was something that really did stand out to me this time watching was how like walt isn't there for his daughter's birth and yet he thinks you know he's able to convince himself that he's doing this for his family and he did this for his daughter yada 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 but it isn't until donald says like you can't give up on your family you know you have to you have to be there for them sort of thing that that motivates him to go and try to interfere with with Jesse and help Jesse and how like he prioritizes that relationship over the relationship with his real family I thought was mm-hmm. really interesting in, in in this one I mean of course like the <laughs> it's is this really in Jesse's best interests I mean he lets his partner die mm-hmm. um you know it's it's one of those those things though like what is the lesser of the two evils there yeah I mean that's the that's the perfect encapsulation of the of why it's so so complicated because Walt's not wrong in a way of going over there to see him, you know, to try to to try to intervene, but he's not doing that for his his what he ends up doing kind of shows that he's not doing it for for Jesse, he's doing it for himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the idea is like if you want Jesse to be healthy and get, you know, have a life after this moment, having someone that he cares about die next to him is not the way you go about doing that. Right. Like it's, yes, she's, she's trouble. She could be trouble down the road for him, but like, you know, her death is going to be something that he feels responsible for, you know, so pretty tough stuff. But, um, I, like I mentioned, they, the, they do the, you know, the deal kind of happens off screen he is able to get that that money um and then there's this whenever they go back to the uh, you know whenever they have this um this los pollos uh chicken feast at the house you know he they he starts to get the idea that just getting this money is not the only thing that matters because what good is it? What good is going through all this stuff if nobody realizes what he's accomplished and how he's pulled this off for the family, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is is um, you know, of course that's a huge part of who this character is. But I think like whenever you think back on this and and you think about what happens in this episode, there's a ton of setup for it um, that maybe I didn't you know think about every time when I thought about the way this episode developed. Him yeah. saying, you know, we need to think about what's best for the baby, you know, mm-hmm. and saying it out loud in front of his family and the conflict that that creates inside of him because he thinks that he does want to do that stuff, but he also wants to be recognized for doing that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wants his family to know that, you know, what, what he's gone through and what he's done for them. And those two things can't, they can't, both can't be true in this, in the current state of things. The the ego, <laughs> Walt's ego is, I think, uh, really revealed here. Um, certainly, it's been hinted at previously, but the way that that conversation he has with Saul, 
and trying to think about how he can get this money to his family. And the idea, though, that it be filtered through this website, this idea of charity. And then I also think of that conversation he had with Skylar, where he's like, we can't accept charity. And mm-hmm. she's like, why do you say that? Like, that's such a, a bad thing. And it, it's really a point of, of pride with him. He just cannot stomach the idea that anyone else get credit uh, for <laughs> for providing for his family when it was his his labor and his work that went into it. So... I don't know. The more I think about it now, the more I'm like, you know what? This guy's just, he's such an asshole. And everything that is motivating him is selfish. And so, yes, that scene with Jane there where we see that play of emotions across his face. And, but that could just be like normal human (laughs) impulse, normal human, normal human reaction. Um, I don't know how much we could be like, oh, Walt actually cares or whatever. Cause I don't think he actually does. I don't think he really feels any remorse about what happens with Jane until maybe he's really high on the sleeping pills and the fly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, he seems to be completely at peace with, with the, what he does. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that in the moment he does feel something. I think he just has a way of of telling himself that. And and I, I don't think this is unique to Walter White either. I think this is anybody that finds themselves going through something like this is that, there's a dissonance, right? So you have to make that you have to either either it consumes you and you know you 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 change something or you do something or you you figure out a way to make it make sense and then you just go with that, right? And like there's a lot of angry people walking around out in the world that are you know kind of are really hard to deal with and and just sort of make things you know uncomfortable because of the the fact that they're doing that right like um it's a pretty human response to like i don't understand i don't know what to do with this i don't know what to do with the idea that i did this thing and so um i'm just going to keep going and pretend like it didn't happen or and then try to convince myself that it's the right it was the right thing to do there was only so many choices and the one i picked has to be the right one because that's the one i picked right yeah, I think that's that's definitely part of his rationalization and his compartmentalization that he he does. I sorry, I keep getting us off off track a little bit here. <laughs> um, there's because it all things lead back to to that scene yeah. with Jane, right? But um, the the question that you 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 opened with, right, about like what's best for the baby? Of course, there's a huge irony there that uh-huh. Waltz would even deign to, you know, like pretend like he really has like the baby's best interests in mind when he's out there, you know, doing all these things behind the scenes. Um, That's certainly not in the best interest of his family. Now, you might be someone that's like, oh, well, he's providing for his family, he's getting money for his family, but, you know, he's putting them at great risk by doing this, you know, by working with drug dealers and uh, the the threat of violence. Um, You know, and look at how much much of the actual money has made it to his family at this point. Yeah. Like he, you know, if he, if that's really what he was doing, like maybe he needs to try to think of a different direction to go. I mean, I guess, especially now he's going to have this surgery. That's the plan. You know, he's in remission. Like he's not in the same place he was where he had to like try to do this overnight. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and, and we talked about this in the, the last one, right? So Deciding to to go ahead with this deal with with Gus was purely selfishly motivated. I don't think he can keep making that case that it's for the family when he did actually have other options. So he could have opted not to have the surgery and then just sold off what he could 
in whatever way that you know he and Jesse could have managed without making this deal. Absolutely. And speaking of Jesse, um, there's this uh, in the early part of the episode. You know, there's there's this oversleeping. Right? He sleeps mm-hmm. through Walt coming into the apartment the night before, and Jane sleeps through this this uh, meeting that she's supposed to go to and meet her father. And you figure by this point, you know, 18 months, you know, her chip says 18 months. Um, she's been doing this for a while. This is a, an established tradition that would set off red flags for her father. If she just showed up late. Right. I think so. Maybe once like, yeah, she overslept and you know, she was running late. She's in the shower or whatever, but it starts becoming a habit. And I think uh, when they, when when that first time she oversleeps and she meets him, and then they go and have coffee and breakfast or whatever afterwards, he she notices looks a little tweaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks a little strung out. The eyes are red. She's, uh, I mean, she comes up with a story for that. She's working on this tat or whatever. But you know, he's been through this with her before, obviously. So he uh-huh. knows what to look for. So certainly, the second time she oversleeps, I think uh, you know he made the right call showing up. Like he knew. Something was off. Right. And I think Walt has been primed for this. Um, obviously, he's not, he's never been okay with Jesse using, but I think his his reaction is kind of primed by the interaction with Gus, right? Gus says you can never trust a, a, a junkie or a drug addict, however he, however he worded it. Um, so I think that that's something that's going on with Walt whenever he tries to, to do this. Uh, I'm going to hold on to your money until you get clean. Because I don't think we've really seen that side of him before. Like we've seen him talk down to Jesse and generally think that he's less than human at times because of the fact that he uses drugs. But this is like, I think the first time when we really see him trying to control his drug use other than when they first made the first batch, right? I believe so. And I think this is probably worth unpacking a little bit and and asking, like, why does Walt suddenly care? And I think what you just said, Pete, you know, this um, there's more on the line here, right? There's more at stake. And to make this deal with Gus, and certainly if this is someone that he wants to continue working with in the future, this is someone that doesn't, you know, take kindly to (laughs) drug use. And it almost costs them the deal, right? Like, I mean, you can probably, at least in Walt's point of view, like it was his relationship with Jesse that really almost blew it for them. And it did blow it for him until he convinced Gus to give him the second shot, right? You're Uh not a cautious man because you work with this junkie. And so I, I, for the first time, it really does affect Walt's, you know, um, interest that he is using drugs. So yeah, he cares more now, but it's it's not as I don't think it's coming from as selfless as of, of a place as like someone like Donald caring about his daughter using right because it does it 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 did affect him he has the thing to say like i had to miss my daughter's birth you know what i mean which is yeah but i'm I'm saying like from his point of view right we're talking about walt's point of view he he can say that to jesse you cost me this thing that i'm never going to get back which is all bs you know like for sure um yeah. it was set up the way that it was set up that he had to be there so he he made that choice he said this is more important than seeing my my daughter um be born but then also like when you look at that big bag of money this is the biggest bag of money that they've ever seen and it does look like it justifies all the stuff that happened before it 
to the person that's looking into that bag for the first time, I think. What do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> that's a hard question because knowing everything that they've done, like, is there any amount of money that makes it okay? I mean, for the character, yes. Yeah, that's I think, what I'm saying. You know, that's what we're talking <laughs> from about from Walt's view, point yeah. of view. Right. Um, trying to put myself in, in that position. I don't, I don't know that I can, <laughs> I could answer that. I mean, as Jesse but, said, that's a lot of cheddar. You know what I mean? You see the yeah. look on Jane's face. Like it, this is the kind of money that could change. You could be anything anyway. Nobody can tell us what, you know, who to be anymore. Right. Nobody can make us do anything. That's what it feels like when you see that it has to feel that way. Right. I suppose. I mean, I've never seen it, it so I, this is only a guess, you know what I mean? Like, I've never had a $1.2 million in a bag to look at that was mine, you know, free and clear. But I'm <laughs> yeah, assuming- Yeah, well, it's only 480 after, you know, Saul uh, takes his 20%. So, I mean, $480,000 is still a, a significant amount of money, right? But, like, if, if you know, Jesse and Jane seem to think, like, they're going to be able to, like, you know, go retire in New Zealand or whatever on- yeah. On that, and it certainly would get them out of town, you know, get them out of Dodge, get them, you know, from not having to like send her to rehab or whatever. I guess you know, it's yeah, a fresh well, start I, for them. Well, that's an interesting thing because that's something I want to talk about. I mean, obviously, there is a lot of magical thinking going on with those mm -hmm. two, right? It's not yeah. enough money for that. Um, Walt probably is right to a certain extent that they'll just blow it, and they they know this, that's why they're so. So, try, so hard trying to say like, we're not going to do that. We're better than this, right? You don't say that if you don't, some part of you doesn't know that that's exactly what's going to happen, right? I mean, they're, you know, they're in addiction and if all that does it, having a big bag of money in that situation is it takes away all of the things that make addiction hard for a period of time and then it, and then it's gone and then everything's even way worse, I guess, right? So the magical thinking part of it is is interesting because they're on two like two opposite sides of the spectrum here in what in the way they're doing that but you know you see Walt with the same thing it's like i just got to get this money and then he gets the money and he, and it's not really fixing anything as far as like what he wants like he does have that security like that that big stack of money's in his laundry room or whatever at the moment but nobody knows that he what he what he did and that bothers him and and he can't just go out and spend the money you know what i mean and, and there's like yeah, there there's the rub right like it's uh you just hit the nail on the head there Pete it's not about the money it's about the recognition and uh -huh. we'll see maybe not so much at this point and certainly not maybe through our first watch through was the this obvious that this is what's driving this man is this uh out of control ego that needs validation needs recognition uh, needs to become the kingpin, the empire, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is ultimately what it ends up being for him, that he's chasing uh, this this uh, this need to be recognized for his greatness. Mm -hmm. No, I earned that money. Me, you know? Like, yeah. Sounds like a child, but also you kind of see where, where he's coming from. You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation. We'll be right back. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. 
just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved the venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan-favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcast on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth decay transformation. The the idea of of charity um is is that 
Is that a, a real belief of this character that, that he had going in? I mean, I know he was he was reluctant to take the money from Gretchen and Elliot. Gretchen and Elliot, but he you know, there was some personal reasons involved with that, right? Um he he resented the, the hell out of them and he had a, he you know, he had he had like romantic feelings that were unresolved with Gretchen because of something that he did and, and he feels you know, he he feels a certain way about, right? So like when he says charity is you know, where he, he this aversion to charity that he has, is it because he already has that money in the in the is it just because he really does believe that charity's wrong or whatever, or is it because he has that stack of money in the um in the uh, laundry room, do you think? That's an interesting question. And I personally I think it it's more um his his own ideology like it's his own outlook and i think there's a uniquely maybe it's not only something you find in the united states but it is a, a sort of a uniquely american mentality where this like this idea of like you know bootstrapping yourself and not accepting help from anyone and this idea of like a hard work and labor and i mean like uh you know you hear stories like when you know your your older relatives tell you about how they had to like walk to school mm -hmm. 10 miles uphill both ways you know in the snow sort of thing so there's this i think this this american uh, I guess sentiment, right? That like you do things for yourself by yourself. And if you accept charity or handouts, then you're weak or somehow or lesser than. So I think that's it's, and you could call that uh, a number of things. You, you could might say that's like a sort of a toxic masculinity or, um, machismo or something like that. Uh, I mean, not to put like labels on it, but I, I do think that there is this prevailing attitude in this society. So yeah. I think that's something that Walt is starting to tap into more and more as he becomes more of this Heisenberg character, this uh, hyper-masculine, uh, ego-driven, um, even capitalist, right? Like trying mm -hmm. to build out his empire. And, you know, we were just talking a, a minute ago about, is he really driven by the money? What's actually driving him? And I think the, the, the best answer we get to that question is when in season five, when Skylar takes him to the the storage place where she's keeping all the money mm -hmm. and she asks him how big the pile has to get like how much will ever be enough for him and i mean there's more money than they can even count there's more money than they could spend in 10 lifetimes so it's it's a uh, it was never about the money for him it's it's really all about this ego uh what do you what do you think how would you answer that question well i mean i'm not sure i i think it's a little bit of both i think that I think that you're right. I agree with what you're saying there. I think that is the kind of guy that he is. That that's the the mindset that he would have been would have been brought up with, and he would have, and he would, you know, he wouldn't want to. Um, he wouldn't want to. I don't know. I guess what I guess the reason why I, I I brought it up and I thought about it this time when I was watching was just because it's such a quick and you know I mean he he really he really gets upset by the idea of it. And, um, you know, Skylar's there, she's crying. She was moved to tears at this, at this really sweet thing that junior did. And, you know, he, he, he's like, he recoils, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's really put off by it. And, um, he doesn't really, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of give in it. And I don't know that it's consistent with that, but I, I just think that, that, that has to, the money also has to have some, influence there you know what i mean because of what we see later 
And, you know, even what we see at the, at the pool or, you know, when they're having the, the food outside by the pool, you know, it's like, wait a minute, everybody's talking about not having money, like, and talking about me, like I'm not providing or something like that. You know, um, Skylar's talking about like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be back at work soon because I figure you're having this surgery and we're going to need the money. And he sees that, you know, Junior is even thinking about taking a job and, he hates that feeling, right? I definitely think he does, right? So I, I think both things could be true, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. But, you know, I think with him, like, when, with what we know of the character and where he's coming from, right? So this is someone that he describes himself even as extremely overqualified when he's talking to that psychiatrist after his fugue state, um, who, you know, is working, like, in, in a menial job well below his ability and that all of his colleagues and friends have surpassed him in every meaningful way. And then, of course, I mean, the gray matter thing is a, is a sore spot for him for a number of reasons. And it's mm-hmm. all wrapped up in whatever history he has with Gretchen and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever that means to him about his own masculinity and in his, in his identity. And that's, that is his biggest regret. You know, it was walking away from that, that business, walking away from that money, walking away from that legacy as he later tells, Jesse, that he sold himself short. And I think that's really what drives him at this point is to not ever allow himself to become that milk toast, you know, mm-hmm. uh, high school chemistry teacher who gets laughed at by his students down on his hands and knees scrubbing tires. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that he has a taste of, of his power, uh, it's, it's addictive and he, that's something, not something he can really give up. Yeah, I mean, think about the difference of that that scene at the car wash where he's seeing this kid, the same one that that acted like an ass in the in the Chad. room in front of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> friggin' Chad. Um, it's always and, a Chad. Yeah, and then think about the you know the end of of the episode where he tells them to stay out of his territory. You know, it's two different two different reactions to the same person, and um, it's you know, I mean, there's. The, of course, there's the idea of the way power corrupts people and and things like that. Um, you can't that you know that is all that there is some some real truth to. It. It's not just characters on TV shows and stuff like that, right? I mean, think about like that one summer job you had where you know someone you liked and got along with they became the manager, and then all of a sudden you know the whole dynamic changes, right? So like, yeah, one. You know, once he's had a taste of that, he can't really go back, can he? I don't think so. And, you know, certainly I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, Pete. It's like he's so far gone at this point. He's already done so many horrible things that it's in his best interest psychologically as like a as a mechanism to protect his his psyche to keep compartmentalizing and keep rationalizing because any any normal person that stopped and actually took stock of what they had done would how would you live with yourself right like mm-hmm. how could you keep functioning when you really think about the things that you have done that the the atrocities that he has committed um up to this point so it's it's really in his his psychological best interest not to and just to keep going and it's like he's already gone this far what's another murder what's another crime yeah and this is uh, and this is where it really does veer where that idea of what we keep going back to about seeing things through his point of view, where that, where they, things really do start to diverge here because, 
um, if we think about like, you know, if we compare this, the writers set things up in a way that when he kills Crazy Eight, it's pretty straightforward. Um, it's self-defense and almost at the point of time it happens, right? Um, you could you could say that if you found yourself in the you know in the same situation that you would because he's going to die if he doesn't do it, right? Like this is here. This is um, you know this is not that case you know this is something where he he has a choice and he chooses to to let someone die someone that is someone's daughter someone that's a human being someone that is has her flaws and that has been you know that definitely came out during this episode if you hadn't noticed them already um not someone who's who's a uh you know a uh, like a cipher or something of someone, you know, like the perfect person that just died too soon, a, a real human being that we can relate to in that way. Um, and he chose to to let that happen. And then I, I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting this time watching it is the, is the way that they otherize each other. Right. Like I mentioned the, the um, whenever, cause he does have feelings for Jesse. They're complicated. We're not even really sure what they are. I don't think, if we're being honest, but like he, he does have some protective, you know, he feels protective for him. You know, he, th he does somewhat think of him as almost family, right? Uh, maybe he hates the fact that that's true, but it, but it happens and it comes out in all these ugly ways with him, the way that he talks to him. But here we see him for the first time, like really put it on his little junky girlfriend. And then we see Donald do that same thing whenever he calls Jesse, the scumbag. And, and that's sort of like the kind of way that you have to do it when this person that you care about is going through something that you can't make make sense. Right. So like um, with Walt, this all of this comes together, you know, like of where he, you know, he's he's doing that thing, that human thing of like, well, this person is a threat to me. Um, Jane is a threat to me. So she can't be all those other things because that's the most important thing that she is. And um, it's just really, really great uh, TV, the way this is all set up. Yeah, definitely great drama. And just to go back to this idea of othering the other, I, I think that is such a great point that um, the way that Donald talks about Jesse and the way Walt talks about Jane as being like these negative influences on their person. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, Jesse, as far as Donald's concerned, Jesse is what has corrupted his daughter. And then as far as Walt's concerned, Jane is corrupting Jesse. Mm -hmm. And she poses a more imminent threat to him because she has actually threatened to blackmail him. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, knows, knows a lot, right? Uh, about the, what, yeah, what they have done. She lays it and out like, ev ev like, uh, that's one of the things that they're not that subtle about, right? Like she, because mm -hmm. of the fact that the position where she's at, she, she lays it out that she knows all the things that would, would bring him down, you know, about Hank, exactly. about his job, what he does, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So she, she does pose, you know, a, a serious threat to him. So he has, you know, he has a, a lot of interest in getting rid of her at, you know, in, in any way possible, but yeah, to, to think about Jesse and Walt's relationship, it is such a, a weird one. And it's something we, we have talked about before, but it's you know it changes it evolves it's um this really complicated father son but also 
you know, the, when I think of how their relationship even started, uh, uh, Walt blackmailed Jesse into working with him. Like, mm-hmm. you either cook with me or I'm going to turn you into the police, right? So he blackmails Jesse in the same way that Jane is now blackmailing mm-hmm. Walt to get what they want, you know, to to control the situation. But it is uh, this the, ugh, the way that, that Walt is with Jesse. The first time I watched this confused me a little bit because um, when – they have that conversation later in the bar and he's like, they're family. You can't give up on them. I was like, but Walt, this isn't your actual son. This isn't your kid. Like, I understand you care about him or whatever, but you have a real family that you're neglecting. Mm-hmm. And uh, just another thing I wanted to, to mention um, in response to you, Pete, does Walt really have Jesse's best interests in mind? And I mean, you could, you could, you can debate it. You could try to argue either point, play devil's advocate, and you could be like, mm-hmm. yes, like there was a very good likelihood that this would have gone really bad and Jesse would have gone further into his addiction, um, maybe ended up dead or whatever, like, like Walt said that he would, you know, he'd be dead within the space of a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that, right? We don't really know that, but we do know that Walt does put himself on the line multiple times for Jesse. So, I think of like when um I guess that's the end of is it like the finale of season three when he goes and runs over Gus's guys? It is in season three, yeah. Um I'm not sure if it's the bear I don't think it's the last episode, but I don't remember right now. Well, whatever, it doesn't matter what episode yeah. it is. It's the one where he interferes and he kills uh-huh. the two drug dealers that shot uh Andrea's little brother. And um, when just you know, to stop Jesse from mm-hmm. getting killed or whatever, and he tells him to run. So I mean, like he does, like that's also like what is what is he doing? Why would he risk? You know, mm-hmm. anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. it is a complicated, really complicated relationship that those two have, and I think you know they that he does care about him in some way. It's toxic, it's terrible, and he does horrible things to him. I mean, he allows the woman he loves to die. You know, knowing that yeah. full well is going to torture him, or maybe he doesn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I think it. I think you can make the case for him not being in the moment, not thinking that all the way through. Like, if you wanted to give him a, you know, a more sympathetic um, read of what he does there, I guess. But like, yeah, I mean, and that's the interesting thing about uh addiction and and using that as as Jesse's thing because we see all of Jesse's stuff you know what i mean because we're watching a tv show that goes on and we and they you know we're seeing all these different facets of his of his life of his personality and everything else when you think about a drug addict like you there's a there's this kind of thing that that people do where they're like if if you know Every you know, people are sick, right? Like they, if they have something else, it, it's different because when you think about drug addiction, you think, well, they're doing something that makes them feel good, which somehow kind of makes it worse. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, everybody else is is going around trying to make make you know take care of them and try to fix all the problems that they're causing, and they're around sitting there, um, you know, getting high, which is. You know, people find that very um, difficult to, I think, make peace with, you know, because they think that it's it's just selfish in a different kind of way. I wouldn't say that that I agree with that necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like that is that's why it's an interesting thing for 
him to be dealing with because like Walt is is terrible. You know, he he says, you know, when have you not dropped the ball? Uh, you know, when you know, you're, you're never going to be anything. And it, and he's telling him like, you know, I'm going to hold this money. Like he's a child and until he can like produce this, this urine test. And, and he doesn't really think of that as being like an awful way to be because of the situation, because of addiction. Right. I think so. And I, I think there's more to it though. Also, I think he really, at this point sees Jane as this, this obstacle, right. That she has all this leverage and this control over Jesse and Walt really needs to get rid of Jane. So I think, you know, I was, as you were talking, I was, I'm sorry to, to kind of skip ahead a little bit, but I was thinking about, you know, Walt allowing Jane to die and, and this question of whether he actually considers Jesse's feelings at all in this and how actually this pr- puts him in a position that he is the only person Jesse has. And it gets Jesse to come back, crawling back to him. And that's exactly what happens in the next episode. He calls him panicking, crying, and then Walt's able to swoop in and save the day, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. another way of regaining control over Jesse and getting rid of this obstacle that's in, in the way there. Yeah, I, it was one of the toughest parts of this um, early in the episode was when he just doesn't say anything to him on the phone when he realizes what happened, you know, like Jesse's calling and he's so worried. And he says, what was the line that he said? Um, Yell at me. Yeah. Say something, man. All right. Yell at me or something. Right. You know, because he's, he's so freaking out about not knowing where the drugs were because he doesn't remember telling Walt where they were the night before, whenever he was in bed. And, uh, and that was just like one of the ones like where he just hangs up on him. I'm just like, okay, they show the, the, the answering machine flashing after that, that, you know, that he'll probably put it together, but like, what a shitty way to be, you know, to just be like, oh, okay, I figured it out. So I'm not going to say another word. I'm just going to hang up on, on you because how dare you call me on this line with my family nearby and all that other stuff that that goes on every time they kind of have a conversation on that phone. And from Walt's point of view, he really is pissed off at Jesse. He really does blame Jesse for, you know, not being able to be there for his daughter's birth and for almost this deal almost falling through, right? Because he had to rush over. Jesse wasn't answering his phone. He was unconscious, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, we, you already kind of, uh, uh, broached this a little bit already, right? Like it's not really accurate that it's Jesse's fault that he missed the birth of his daughter. Cause Walt absolutely made that choice for himself. That was, um, something he did, but of course he blames Jesse for it, but it's not Jesse's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess that kind of goes back to a little bit of what I was saying about about the addiction and the way yeah. that you look at those characters, you know, because Walt's making the exact same choices. He's 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 behaving as an as an addict, but he doesn't have the you know his his drug is something that generally people consider to be a good instinct. You know what I mean? Like what you were saying earlier, like he's he's collecting money. He's um he's 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 being successful in a certain way, you know, obviously he's doing it illegally and everything else, but like it, it, you know, accumulating money and making bad choices is like something you can be like, yeah, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, of course I wish I would have done that a little bit better, but whatever, you know, like it doesn't seem as, um, it doesn't seem as indulgent as, as some, you know, as, as someone who's, um, you know, using drugs all the time or whatever. 
another thing I was thinking about when I was watching this, you know, like I said, the the one that really got me misty eyed was the the when she says daddy please because it's not that she says that necessarily it's the whole dynamic of like this is like her last card that she knows that she can play because she is his his little girl right like it's the you know it's not it's not she's she's like like blatantly playing like trying to pull his heartstrings right like so yeah and you know why she's doing it, right? Like it's it's a survival situation for her, right? Like it's not she's not like she's not evil in that in that moment either. She's like really trying to figure something out because she's caught, right? She's she's in and in, in and like I said, it's kind of like whenever you have when whenever you have an addiction like what they have here, you know, like I, we're we're assuming that she has a long history of of heroin addiction, right? At least I am. So I would say that in her position, like she, for her, like her, it's sort of like survival, but the um, hierarchy of needs has been altered, right? Like the first thing you have to do is protect your addiction and then everything else has to, will fall into place. That's just sort of the way that it rearranges things. And so like, you know, when she's saying that she's trying to, to get high one more time, but she's not telling herself I want to get high one more time before I go to rehab. She's, she's saying like, you know, I need to, I need to take back control for this minute so I can figure it out. And then I will do the right thing when I get a chance. Right. Well, I think they're put in a, a more urgent situation because he's remember dialing the police and he actually yeah. has them on the line. So she's going to say whatever, you know, he wants to hear or whatever she has to say to stop that, from from happening right yeah, she doesn't want the police to get true. involved so you know uh they're both both her and jesse are now at risk of being arrested because he wants you know he even says like maybe this is what it takes letting you dry out you know in a jail cell or something so but it is it is one of those scenes and kristen plays it so great mm-hmm. the way that she raises her voice like a couple of octaves and talks yep. to him that you can imagine probably how she spoke to him when she was a little girl sort of thing and but like the yeah. daddy and, you know, last time I went to rehab, all my, my houseplants died because you didn't water them, you know? Yeah. And she's she's really – she knows exactly what it, what to say to him and to, to convince him. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure uh, the, it's heartbreaking knowing what's what happens to her, of course. And I feel so – I feel so bad for Donald in that scene because, you know, for the, the rest of his very short life after mm-hmm. all this happens, that that scene must um, play over and over in his head. You know, why didn't I call the cops? Why didn't I make her go to rehab that day? You know, it's yeah, it's a brutal, it's, brutal it, episode. It's a classic situation where there's really no right choice for him. He sort of knows that he, it, you know, he, he maybe doesn't put it all together in the moment. But like, because of the way things played out, like you just pointed out, then it always feels like he did the wrong thing, you know? even though what he did at the time was he chose to love his daughter and, and hope that she would be okay. You know what I mean? For, for another 24 hours. And, um, it's, it's so brutal whenever, whenever Jesse says, did you mean all that? Because I think in his mind, he was sort of like wanting her to mean all that too. Right. And then she says, I don't know. I just think if we had enough money or whatever, she says, you know, that we could do whatever we want. And, um, no one can make us do anything. That's what it, that's what it is, yeah. and uh, that's that's brutal as well. 
Yeah, and that's it's not the first time that Jesse's been sort of flummoxed by her, you know. So like uh, the first encounter with her dad, uh, where he wanted her to introduce him, and then he was like, when she comes back later, and he's like, you know, what what was that? Why do you act like you didn't know me? And uh, how she plays it off there. So I think he has a hard time reading her too, you know. There's she's something of an enigma to to Jesse. So I don't know if he, if he really wanted. I mean. I don't know if Jesse can really trust her either because like there's another shot in this where where she's whenever they're talking about New Zealand, you know, New Zealand is New Zealand and they start to hug and (laughs) and she says, I don't care where we go as long as we're together. And you're like, really? You know, like, is it him or that bag of money? Because up until now, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that you got I don't know that you got to a place where you you're the, the most important thing in the world is to spend the rest of your life with this guy next door. It seems like it's skipping a couple of steps there, but I'm I'm not sure. What do you, do you see what I'm saying? You know, I absolutely do, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about addiction. And I think her attitude about Jesse is she knows he's someone that's not good for her. Obviously, and I, she knows that from day one. She knows mm-hmm. that he's someone that she should probably be avoiding, but she's attracted to him and we've we've spoken about like how it's probably because she relates to him she identifies with mm. you know his, his lot in life sort of thing like how his family treats him and how she sees herself perhaps and i think some of the the things that she says i don't know that she actually believes the things she says like when she you know tells jesse that you know when they they have that first argument after she doesn't introduce him to her mm-hmm. dad and she's like what am I supposed to tell him that like I'm sleeping with the guy next door and by the way, he's a drug dealer or whatever she says, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that she really carries that own judgment uh, within herself as much as she's just like parroting what she hears sort of thing. And I think of the conversation she had with her dad at uh, the coffee shop in this episode or the the first meeting they go to. And she's like, he's our tenant. Why would I sleep with the tenant? You know? So I think she's just telling him what, he she thinks he wants to hear or what sounds like the rational logical thing. Mm-hmm. I think she's conflicted. Let me let me say that. I think she's a conflicted character and she is both attracted and repulsed. Yeah. By Jesse and that repulsion probably has more to do with like how she feels about herself more than it does about yeah. him. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I remember we we kind of got into that a little bit when we were talking about um, that episode, and it was uh, it was more about her was the way that she was acting that way. But it, we also talked about the fact that you know she she um, she looks down on him, like she thinks he's he's you know not too smart, and she's attracted to him and she likes him. I'm not saying that that none of that is true, you know what I mean, but it, but also she has that thing of like is he is he really good enough because he he's kind of you know he he draws kanga man and and yeah. uh you know it's obviously a female kangaroo, that kind of thing, you know so the one yeah. thing I guess so when we're talking about that then is do you think that there's any of that in Walt's relationship with with Jesse like you know where Je- cuz i mean he obviously thinks he's his intellectual superior and he is i mean for all intents and purposes do you think that that's part of why he has such a hard time with Jesse too is that he can't really figure out why he he cares so much for him could be i mean i don't know how we could ever actually you know make that makes you know like where we could say one way or another if it's true or not but i i do wonder about it now just because that's a that's a strange part of that I, I that really stood out to me watching when she says, 
I don't care where it is as long as it's with you because that just doesn't none of none of what we've seen between them so far made that make sense about that being you know true it was more about like this is what we need to have happen because this awful thing is in you know my dad was just in here wanting to beat you up and uh you know he's going to make me go to rehab and and all of those complicated situations that are all happening at the same time I think Jesse is a really good hype man. And I guess I'm thinking of that Lizzo song that I'm going to need a sentimental um, man or lady to pump me up. And I think I think Walt and to some extent Jane like Jesse because of how he makes them feel about themselves. So right. Walt, when they first when he first gets into this relationship with Jesse, this partnership is not respected by anyone. And Jesse thinks he's this genius. He thinks he's this like great artist, you know, and that he's just, you know, he can kind of do no wrong. This guy is just amazing. The smartest guy he knows. And of course they have their trouble and their disagreements. And Jesse calls him a bitch every now and then, but he respects Walt. He really does. He has a lot of respect uh, for this guy. And that eventually turns into fear more than anything. Um, But I think, you know, with Jane as well, she's, she's flattered by Jesse's, attention you know and jesse is a sweet kid you know like i think he's someone that like you know if it weren't for all the drugs and stuff like that like he's someone like that would be a good friend to you that would give you the shirt off his back sort of thing like that's just the the sense you you get yeah i think you would pick up on that pretty quickly with him yeah so when it comes to to walt i think the why does walt yeah why is walt so invested and Jesse, I don't, I have so many different theories about this. You know, I really do think, um, he thinks of him as a son and maybe in some ways it's like the relationship that he wishes he could have with his own son that he can't. And of course he can't share with Junior what he does with Jesse. Like he's not going to take his 16 year old son and start cooking meth with him. Right. But, <laughs> um, to have that sort of closeness and, uh, to be able to, to share that knowledge and, and pass on that, that, those skills, right? So Jesse may not know all the terminology or, you know, like be a, you know, be a, he's not like a PhD in chemistry, in mm-hmm. other words, but he's a good chemist. And that's something that he'll, he'll prove over and over again. After Walt, he's probably the best meth chemist mm-hmm. in the world, right? According to the show's lore, that's what I've been yeah. led to believe for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, when, he so gets down to, when he goes down to, to Mexico eventually... He he turned he you know he those guys were were better educated than him and he outdid them in in his process so yeah so Jesse's his protege right so he's mm-hmm. uh, part of his legacy and he pays his rent so he has civil rights huh I mean <laughs> yeah. I know my rights bitch yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I the reason I wanted to bring that up was because. We had I had mentioned this line a couple of times where he says this scumbag, this loser, whenever he's pointing the finger at, at him. But I love the follow up there. It takes one to know one. And, you know, like we talked about this a little bit before we started the episode, but I was always under the impression when I watched this that Donald was in treatment, too. That's why they were in the meeting together. And uh, I was I was fascinated to find out that your take was that they were. He was just there in a supportive role. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the things that I just I just assumed, I guess, because I saw them in that meeting together, that he understood what she was going through because he went through it himself. And 
I always wondered about him having the beer there and if that meant that he, you know, this this current situation meant that he was having a relapse of his own and all that kind of stuff. And um it it actually works a little bit better if you if it if it's the way that you you mentioned um that that he was just there in a supportive role because I'm not sure maybe if he's hardcore if he if, you know if he had himself gotten sober and gotten clean and had insight into how difficult that process is. I'm not sure if he waits until the next morning to let her to go to rehab and just leaves her there so that he can go off and, and have a beer and meet Walt in the bar or whatever, you know? Yeah. I never, it never even occurred to me that he, him, that he himself was an addict of any kind. I always just assumed he was there in a supportive role, you know, and to ensure that she was actually going to her meetings. Mm-hmm. I mean, he babysits her <laughs> yeah. essentially. And he's, um, and I'm sure that comes from their their history, you know, and and uh, the the little the the few scenes that we get of them together, you get this idea that he really is sort of um, overbearing, like he's out, like constantly prying into her life, like you know, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. I wish you wouldn't work here, you shouldn't be around these people, you know, and mm-hmm. asking her about her love life. And I mean, those are all really innocent questions that you could imagine a parent and their adult child having, like normally. Yeah, but, and her, um, obviously, in, she's, in his point of view, is that he's doing all that. It's all helpful, you know, like that he's doing that to to be supportive and and helpful. But it, it's it doesn't have that effect from from her point of view, obviously. Yeah, and certainly now that she has things to hide, right? Like she doesn't want him to know that she's sleeping with Jesse mm-hmm. or that she's back on drugs. Obviously, so uh, yeah, I, I just always got the the sense that this is someone who went through a really tough time with his daughter and he's doing what he can to ensure that she stays on track. Don't forget your pants. We'll be back right after this short break. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club. Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. 
for these and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth decay transformation. And so to go back to that bar conversation again, I mean, a lot's been said about the coincidence of them them ending up in the same place. I know in the Insider podcast, um, Vince brought up that that point that you brought up in one of our first episodes, but that coincidences aren't bad if or coincident. He's okay with coincidences if they're not bad for the for the. Uh, no. No, only if coincidences are okay, only as long as they are bad for the characters. Right. Like, it can never be a coincidence that actually suits the characters. And so, on the surface, I think this one looks like, hey, like, this is a coincidence because it is the the motivating um, factor that, that leads Walt to go back to the, you know, to yeah. Jesse's. And then he solves this problem of Jane, but ultimately, it's not solving the problem, I think, is the point that Vince Gilligan uh, was hoping to make, right? Like, this is actually a really terrible, awful thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though on the surface, it seems to further Walt's interests, at least in the short term. So he goes back to the duplex and he is, um, he's going to try to have a conversation with Jesse and try to get him, he's trying, he's going to try to be a dad, right? Like he's going to, that, that's the point is to be supportive, um, Talk and, sense to him, yeah. Right. And um, it's pretty hard to imagine that, you know, like in a different a different way that that played out, like where Jesse is not unconscious and he does actually talk to him. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter because it wasn't meant to be. But um, I think that also plays into setting up why, why you have, like why when you see that conflict in his face whenever the, it's all going down – that you're a little bit primed to um, to feel sympathetic for Walt, even though he's doing a horrible thing. Definitely. And we, we're meant to see it from his point of view. And I think that's something that I need to constantly remind myself of, is that we're seeing this very much from Walt's point of view. And, uh, you know, uh, just to always remember <laughs> remember that and, and to also consider, like, how the other characters are affected and how they might feel in, in these uh in these episodes because we're again, so aligned with his point of view. Well, we, we, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, we, we jumped all around and we always kept ending up back at this same place. Yeah. Um, were there some other things in, in the episode that you, that we, that we didn't touch on that you wanted to, to go back to? I think we pretty much covered everything worth covering in this one. I mean, cause this, that is the really big, moment um and there's they they do some really fun like little foreshadowing things i think it's all common knowledge by this point but uh certainly like how like uh when when walt goes to put holly in her crib and he's with marie and yeah. he shows her how to like put her on her side and then uh when when jesse and jane are shooting up and that's when he tells, tells her about it, how yeah. much money he's owed she's like not on your back baby get on your your side sort of thing um mm-hmm. i think all of that is nicely you know put together so it leads up to this really really awful ending and can i just say that john scheiben is so good at writing like really gut-wrenching episodes um (laughs) so not just in um in breaking bad but uh in the x-files uh 
Do you remember um all the episodes with Scully's like cancer arc, like where she gets diagnosed with cancer? I can't say that I do. Okay, so he wrote a lot of those, like X-Files fans out there. He wrote Memento Mori. Yes, this mm. is that guy. <laughs> and he also wrote two of like the most difficult X-Files episodes to watch um, called Emily and Christmas Carol that are just brutal. I think mm. just absolutely gut-wrenching. So <laughs> I actually went to go look up to remind myself of what episodes he was responsible for. I'm like, this this computes. Yes, this um, this is definitely on brand for John Scheiben. He has a way of uh, writing really, really, <laughs> really difficult episodes. He was saying that he, in, in the Insider podcast, he was saying that he had used his his son his when his son was uh, like really young, like six weeks old or something like that, as a baby on on the X Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played baby William, and that he then. Whenever he showed that to him after he grew up, and you know a bit, and he said, you know, he wanted to be famous again. He he's actually the young Jesse in um in one of those webisodes that they made, mm-hmm. where, where you yeah. see a little bit of what who, what Jesse looked like when he's a little kid. It's his yeah. I I I wondered about that. I was going to ask you if you were familiar with which episodes he wrote in X Files because it was obvious in their conversation that he him and that he, he with Vince, they had a very close working relationship from their time on the X Files, and I guess he wasn't available when season one was together. So that he, you know, he's Vince seemed very happy to have him here for season two. And yeah, I mean, this is a this is a really great episode. There's really nothing here that that feels like it. I mean, from from the beginning to the end, it just feels like every single piece fits perfectly. And uh, it, it plays to this to this last crushing situation so perfectly, and it also makes you think about everything that came before it too. You know what I mean? Like, I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, whenever we were talking, I was saying that the uh, you know the one episode wasn't my favorite episode, and and that's part of the reason why is because of this. You know, what I mean, because this episode is so good. And it's only in you know in comparison where one is 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 less than the other, but like everything that happened in that one is so essential to what what we see here and why why we react to it the way that we do. You know, you mentioned earlier as like the this being like the penultimate episode, and this I think is is such a well done episode that it might explain why a lot of the fans that that were disappointed with the big reveal in the finale of ABQ, like Mm -hmm. what the black and white scenes meant and everything. um, This really ups the ante this episode does. And it's like, how are they possibly going to top this in terms of like, you know, (laughs) um, story and emotion and things like that. So I can, you know, I was thinking about it when I was watching it yesterday, because that's something you've brought up before, Pete, like that a lot of people were really, really disappointed in how this, the season ended and what the big reveal was. And I think well, after watching this one, I'm like, I get it now. I can understand like why the next one would feel like something of a letdown for, for some people. Yeah. Because it's an incredibly tense episode of TV that we're about to watch next week. I mean, it's, it's, if you just think about it on its own, it, it's an incredible episode of TV too. But um, yeah, this is, this a, it's a one, two punch and it's uh, um that that whole setup is like if you think about it like if you were watching it in real time as this episode is going on and you really have that on your brain like what what what's who are those body bags that we saw a couple episodes back next to the Aztec you have to be thinking like it's Jane and Jesse 
at that point or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Or it's, you know, something is something that Jane is going to do is going to lead to that. And then it's a big surprise when then, you know, she's, she's off the, off the table by the end of the episode. Oh, definitely. And I think when I watched this, uh, this for the first time, this episode, because I was starting to think of like, what, it, what are those two bodies going to be? And I thought, I, I seem to remember thinking like, oh, Jesse's going to figure out what happens that, you know, Walt let her die. And then he's going to go and like do something to his family or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to binge through this. So my, my questions were answered. Uh, right. Shortly thereafter, and I was completely wrong about that. I don't know. I don't know what other people were were speculating after this one, um, but to have a week to think about what might happen after, you know, Jane dies is uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, the short sightedness of it all. I mean, that's one thing that 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 kept coming back to me, like the way that she just calls Walt, the way their plan. You know, the whole is is new zealand and australia and not even knowing but like okay that'll be the thing that'll fix everything up is just to go there all of that you know again just to to go back to it the way that walt has has done what he's done and then how he gets frustrated over and over again that that nothing um you know nothing plays out the way that he expects that it will and he doesn't get that recognition either and it's it's due to his short-sightedness of just like having to deal with the next problem that jumps up and and thinking that once he gets that one under control everything will be smooth sailing you know it's all downhill from there which is just not the way things work right so i guess we could probably then get into favorite shots and favorite lines um all right so yeah you first what was uh what was your pick for Favorite line. Oh, for favorite line, uh, that's right. Daddy did that when he's talking to Holly in the um, in the uh, the room there with the money. Um, it's, I mean, that's just the 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 best way that you can kind of sum up the whole situation, right? Uh, this is a child. This is a, he's, he can't tell anybody about this. I mean, that's part of his attraction to Jesse, you know, that we were talking about earlier, that weird connection is that Jesse's the one that knows everything. Right. So this is a baby. She can't tell anybody what she saw. Um, and, and just the fact that it is that, that situation, you know, it's him, that's him by himself with nobody looking and nobody judging him and anything else. And that's what he wants to do is show this, this, child that he loves this beautiful little baby this big stack of money that he can't show anybody else what about you so i went with a family you can't give up on them never i mean what else is there and that's of course what don says to uh to mm-hmm. walt in the bar so yeah i mean i think this both of our picks there uh speak to one of the overarching themes of this episode this idea of family and the relationship between fathers and their their children in particular. And I th- I guess that's, you know, I didn't think about it, but there's two times we hear the word daddy in this episode, and that's when Walt is talking to Holly. He says, mm-hmm. look what daddy did. And then Jane's um, talking to, to Donald saying, daddy, please. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one of many ways that they try to connect that thematically. Absolutely. Uh, what about shot? Uh, this was one where another one of those ones where like the shots were 
There was a lot of different things. Like I, I mentioned Ted. I really liked that one, the reveal on Ted. And I really um, liked, you know, some of the other lesser ones. But it does – I thought the lines and, and just the actual – this is one where the scenes don't stand out from from the like the whole. It, it's about the whole, yeah. the whole thing, right? And um, everything works together seamlessly is kind of what makes it great. Like the tire bouncing away at the beginning is another one that that's pretty memorable and all that. What I picked was the the bag shot when he opens the bag and you see from inside. And it's not like the most inspired of those, those sort of object POV things, you know, but. But the look on his face, and I just thought that it was one of those things, um, and it, it's it's very similar to the baby monitor scene later in the episode, which is another good one. Um, but like, it, it's just a, it's just one of those things that you see because of the fact that the that you're seeing it from Bag's point of view instead of from his or or the money's point of view, however you want to look at it. You're seeing Walt transform in real time you know what i mean like that's that that the person that opens the bag is not someone that you'll ever see again because the person that is there that develops inside that scene is is changed and so that's what i guess maybe made it stick out for me not like i said the most inspired of those shots of of some of the other ones we've talked about but i just thought it was that was an interesting point because you know he 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 when he opens it everything changes from that point on. So what about you? That's a good pick. And I I agree with you on this one. I There wasn't a single shot that really stood out to me. And like you, I found that the, you know, the scenes were, it, I was thinking more in terms of like, what was my favorite scene of this? Because mm-hmm. there isn't like a single shot that really, but there, there are a couple of artistic ones. There was another one um, in the, in the cold open um, where they first show him getting to the, like, motel or wherever he is and we see him through like a perfect circle of broken glass and -hmm. i thought that was kind of a cool shot but you know it's whatever it's just a shot so i was torn between a couple of different things i really i ended up picking them at the bar i love the way that um they're framed i love that conversation and of course that's really the turning point uh for waltz in this in this episode where he decides to go back and make this really fateful choice right um so i i just thought it was you know had a lot of gravity for that reason and of course just the significance what it means that donald was sitting there talking to the man who i mean you can say like oh he didn't really murder her but he's sitting there talking to the man that could have saved his daughter's life it's sort of like the idea of a lie of omission right i mean he murdered her by inaction i mean you're not I guess it's not the same definition. It's not the same, uh, like if it was in a court of law or whatever, it wouldn't be the same as if he put a gun to her head and pulled the trigger. But for our concerns, it's kind of the same, right? Yeah, I think so. For sure. Yeah. I mean, legal definitions aside, you know, there's, did he go in there with malice of forethought? Uh, no, but he could have saved a life and he didn't. And I think, you know, that, that raises its own ethical questions, so I, I just I think that scene is uh, significant for so many different reasons and it stands out. But I also just I really like the scene that your favorite line comes from where he's holding Holly in the garage and, uh, you know, pulling back the, the paper to show her the money. Mm-hmm. And I also really like the scene of him just sitting there watching the show on elephants, listening yep. to the baby monitor. 
So those were the ones that stand out to me. And um, I mean, of course, the scene at the very end, uh, Brian Cranston's acting is phenomenal, but definitely not my favorite scene. I think no. it's a really well acted scene, and it's uh, it's Brian Cranston's favorite scene, and it's something that you know he's talked about at length. Uh, and it's actually something that he, if you haven't um, read his uh, autobiography, A Life in Parts, it's actually how he begins his book is by recounting that particular scene. Um, do you want me to read a little bit? I'll just read a couple. Sure, go ahead. So, yeah, this is how it starts. Uh, a Life in Parts, the first part is Walter White. And he says, She stopped coughing. Maybe she'd fallen back asleep. Then suddenly vomit flooded her mouth. She grasped at the sheets. She was choking. I instinctively reached to turn her over. But I stopped myself. Why should I save her? This little junkie, Jane, was threatening to blackmail me, expose my enterprise to the police, destroy everything I had worked for, and wipe out the financial life preserver I was trying to leave my family. The only legacy I could leave them. She gurgled, searching for a gasp of air. Her eyes rolled back in her head. I felt a stab of guilt. God damn it. She's just a girl. Do something. But if I stepped in now, wasn't I just delaying the inevitable? Don't they all at some point end up dead? And poor dumb comatose Jessie, my partner lying beside her. She's the one who got him on this shit in the first place. She'd kill them both, kill us all, if I stepped in now and played God. So that's how it starts. And it goes on and on and on and on. And he talks about, you know, I think it's something a lot of people, if you're a fan of the show, have heard him talk about how he actually, when he was acting, envisioned the, the face of his own daughter, Taylor, for mm -hmm. like a split second. So... And then he, you know, talks about how uh, at the end of shooting that scene, like he burst into tears and he was so distraught that like the whole cast and crew came over and they were consoling him and like Anna Gunn hugged him for like five minutes straight. So he's a good storyteller. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> I wanted to say like the um, it's weird because when we we started this off just to bring everything full circle before we go, it's weird because when we talked about the 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 beginning of when in our teaser about the you know was there something and you talked about peekaboo and that that's something that I was thinking about in this episode too right like um, you feel sympathetic for for Jane uh, because of her addiction and then you think of a character like Spooge right like Spooge has that same thing, but like, there's not really any sympathy for him. You know what I mean? Like in, in that <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the same. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't, I've never heard anyone that said, you know, that watched that episode because of course their son is involved, you know what I mean? And, and he's the real victim in that thing. Like, I'm not trying to, to, you know, take away from that at all, but I mean, you know, nobody is looking at them as being like, Oh, they're, you know, these, these people need help you know what i mean like yeah. you're, you're looking at like god these people are disgusting you know look at the way that they live and look at the what they do and so yeah that's a it's a it's a pretty big difference in the way that you see jane here because of the situation and um yeah i don't know that's something i thought about when i thought a bit like you know those the, the the thing who they are is 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 kind of irrelevant the thing that affects them and the thing that you know this is something that since this time when this came out you know like it seems like everybody I know now knows somebody who died in the same way, you know, someone, not just someone they heard about, but like someone that they knew, like someone they grew up with, someone that's in their family, someone that's like, you know, that, 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 that's 
that's real that they lost in this way. And I, and I think that that has a, a lot to do with how um, difficult this is to watch is, is for me now is just because, you know, I've known people and they're, and they're gone, they're never coming back. And um, I know that they were, they were before and, and, I assume still when they were in the, at the height of their addiction, you know, they were, they still had, they were still human, you know what I mean? And, um, of course they made a lot of mistakes. I I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about this idea of othering. And Mm -hmm. so we see Walt and, and Donald, both other Jesse and and Jane, right. And Mm -hmm. like, think of them as somehow less deserving or not part of their concern, right? Like they only care about the person that's affected and you know it's it's a interesting point to think about Spooge and his wife and they are also victims of their addiction but yeah. when we think of how we how we as a society and i'm i'm speaking in broader you know yeah. terms here sort of sweeping generalizations but when we think of like who is deserving of our sympathy and who's deserving of our help and our care and our concern it's so wrapped up in in all of these these uh preconceptions we have so i think you kind of already touched on this, Pete, but like when it comes to the Spooges, they are parents. And so it's uh-huh. hard to think of their them as victims when there's um, someone that they are directly putting at risk, right? Where that you think of that child. Uh, whereas in the case of Jane, she's not a parent herself, but we see her in the role of a daughter. Uh-huh. And so we're very much looking at her through that lens as this is someone's child and this she means a great deal to her to her father. And we see her as that little girl, right? Like yeah. when, when you know, she has that conversation with him, you know, um, daddy, please, daddy, please. This mm-hmm. is, this is someone's little kid. This is someone's daughter that, that he loves dearly. So, I mean, I think a lot of that is just how like the, the narrative is framed and like mm-hmm. who, you know, we give our, our sympathy to. Yeah. And I, I guess that's sort of the, what I wanted to, to come back around to is just that, you know, all those people are, and it's a terrible thing. You know, like, I think what you were saying is, you know, as, as a side, the way that we decide who, who is, I think that, you know, we should um, be sympathetic for everyone that's, that's, you know, who, who find themselves in this situation. I mean, obviously uh, there's a lot of personal responsibility involved and, you know, just, just, you know, feeling sympathetic isn't going to change anything for anybody, you know what I mean? But I just think that it's, uh, you know, it's something to think about. I agree completely. I mean, addicts do terrible things in many cases. They make terrible choices and they will do some really awful things to feed that addiction. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's complicated, but remembering, I think that it's an illness, I think is really important, right? So like you wouldn't be mad at someone for having cancer, you just wouldn't be mad at someone mm-hmm. for having cancer or having some other serious illness um, the same way that we tend to get frustrated with people who are struggling with addiction or other mental illness. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, I think a good way to end this is just to remind everyone, you know, to, to remember that these are people, these are human beings that are struggling with, uh, with issues and uh, doesn't necessarily make them terrible people because they have this addiction. Yeah. Well said. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow our podcast and set up your notifications so that you'll know when a new episode comes out. And we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us wherever you listen so that other people can find it. If you want to support us, you can do that on our Patreon, which is patreon.com growth to K transformation. 
And you can connect with us on Twitter at BreakingBadGDT or write to us at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when we'll be discussing the season two finale, ABQ.